0: 2023 was a magical year for the Sacramento Kings. And on today's show, Frankie Cardicelli from Sacktown Sports 1140 joins me as we remember some of our favorite moments from this wonderful year right here on Locked on Kings.
1: You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast.
0: Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time
0: Time for another episode of Locked On King. Hello and welcome into Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all season long. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NBA for $20 off your first purchase. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports anchor and reporter for ABC10 News. And yes, what a great year this was. Lots of moments that Frankie and I are going to discuss. If you want to share any of your favorite moments from this year, make sure you do so in the YouTube comment section down below. If you're watching, if you're listening, you can hit me up on Twitter at any time at MattGeorgeSack, or you can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com. But for now, please enjoy my conversation with Frankie as we go down memory lane of this amazing year in Kings history. 2023 was the year that we have all been waiting for here in Sacramento. So many wonderful Sacramento Kings memories, and to help sift through some of them, talk through some of them, share our favorite memories from the year. Frankie Cardicelli from Sacktown Sports 1140. He's the Sacramento Kings insider over there. Plus, you can hear him on the Return of the Roar podcast. He's back here on Locked On Kings, a frequent guest throughout 2023. And Frankie, this was a really, really fun year for us. It's had its ups more than downs, which is nice to say. We haven't been able to say that for a while. So it's going to be a positive look back at the year compared to doing some of these episodes in years past where it's like, let's try and find one or two fun moments in an ultimately disappointing year. Not that this time.
1: Yeah, that's kind of the, uh, first of all, thanks for having me back, Matt. Thank you. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas, everyone out there. Uh, Happy new year. That's around the corner. It is a nice change of pace that we have to go back and kind of look through, you know, we could really do the whole year. Like we really could just it'd be easy to say the whole year of 2023 was memorable. And great. I think Kings fans are going to remember this year for a very long time up there with, you know, the 2002s and, and whatnot, 85 when the franchise moved here. Um, I, I think it's been one of the better years the franchise has ever had. And there's a laundry list of things that went right for the Kings this year. And I'm excited to kind of dive through those with you.
0: Yeah, we're gonna kind of ping pong these back and forth, and just discuss through them. Nobody has a list or anything, and of course, listeners, if you have ye- moments from this year that that you want to submit, we're probably gonna talk about uh, a lot of them. Certainly, some of the main ones that that immediately jump to mind, but. In the comment section, send it to us on Twitter. Let us know some of your favorite Kings moments from the year, whether it was games you attended, home or away, whatever it may be. And, and Frankie, I think we'll we'll start with kind of the two moments that are, are probably at the top of almost everybody's list. But one moment that both you and I got to actually experience in person was in Portland. Now, I know the, the, the Kings' last trip to the Moda Center the other night after Christmas wasn't too great, but we can put those memories aside because ultimately that was a great building for the Kings in 2023. You and I were there in Portland when the Sacramento Kings officially snapped the streak, officially clinched a playoff spot. It was kind of an underwhelming night. It was also the night that Keegan Murray broke the rookie record for three-pointers. That got overshadowed a little bit. The Kings beat the brakes off the Blazers in that game, so it wasn't exactly an exciting basketball game, but to be there for that moment was pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. I mean, we've talked about this podcast before how you and I grew up Kings fans. We, we, you know, that was our team. That was our thing growing up and to be there, just that culmination of 17 years of struggle and disappointment, turmoil, the relocation rumors, um, we're well, not rumors. I mean, it was, it was a fact they were going to Seattle. Uh, everything that went into it over the past nearly 20 years, it was special that, that, you know, I know for you, especially it was special. And myself g-man um others that made the trip to portland it was great to see it in person and even if you weren't there in person taking that in from home um you know i had family and friends were watching that moment that were getting emotional i know you were a little emotional that night i i i remember being near to buy uh a, i don't want to say weeping but i'll say i'll just say an emotional match there were but, tears there were tears no i mean and you see from everybody i mean katie christensen carmichael dave a lot of people that were there were emotional um it was interesting, man. It was interesting as being after the game. You, you heard the guys having a great time in the locker room and it was kind of back to business. Like they, they didn't really have like the, we don't see that in the NBA, like they do in baseball or other sports, how they have the champagne come out and, and celebrate. They kind of had their moment where they celebrated and back to work. There was another game in Portland. We got to watch that was just them business as usual. So very special to be there that night. And uh, I, I think that that definitely is near the top of my list because I mean, here we are Kings are 17 and I think 12. They're fifth in the West right now going into the new year or going into the last couple of games of the new year. Um, It's just funny how much things have changed since last year. And that was a big moment to get where we are today.
0: Yeah, the Portland Trailblazers like away media area is basically in like a smaller locker room or like a guest locker room. So they had we were all in there. The media was all in there with uh, with Mike Brown and that shared a wall with the Sacramento Kings locker room that they were using. And you could hear the music. You could hear the cheers. But as soon as we got in there, like asking them questions, it's like, yeah, we're we're happy to clinch. but. Like you said, kind of business as usual, which is really strange when the rest of the organization and, and and Kings fans were melting down like this was the championship that we had finally won. It felt that way that night, like just making it to the playoffs, something that other teams take for granted, something that I think we're even starting to take for granted this season. Like the mm-hmm. expectation is just the Kings are going to make the playoffs this year. That was such a long time coming that having that moment did feel like we were hoisting a
1: trophy. It was, it, it it did feel like, you know, it was a little surprising. Like, I I don't know why I expected more, but I think for a lot of these guys that came onto this team in the, re- in recent years, I mean, De'Aaron Fox is, is the exception for seven years and uh, Harrison Barnes is on year five or six, I think. But um, I think a lot of the other guys, they don't really have that attachment to the playoff drought and they don't really have, not that it's not important that they break it. I mean, I'm sure they, they got here and right. Like, okay. Well, that's great. That's out of the way. But, it's not the same as fans and people that have been through it in media or what have you to, to be around a team and put your emotion, your time, your money into this brand that has been a disappointment for the better part of two decades. And I think for a lot of people like yourself, me, I mean, other people that have been that were at that game in person. um, I think that it was a really cool moment for those that got to see it. And, and I think it was a different reaction for us because we've been through it a different way and for a different amount of time and other guys again not that it didn't matter to Mike Brown or Kevin Herter or Demona Sabonis but those guys have been here for a year year and a half two years i mean it, it, they can't really take the ownership of that as they shouldn't so it was a very very cool thing um i think still seeing that pacific division banner which we joke <laughs> about and we laugh about but just just knowing the kings had that just you know kind of worst of first year if it's kind of what it was it really was like a worst of first um I don't want to say Cinderella story, but in a way it was because no one really saw the Kings coming last year. And as we know that, that, that notion or that um, the way that people view the Kings has now changed drastically. I don't think people look at them as the cute little underdog anymore, but last year they were the up and coming team and it was just, it's always gonna be fun to look back on. And that night in Portland is definitely uh, one I'll remember forever.
0: And then the moment that we had, dreamed about maybe more than actually clinching the playoffs is the Kings taking the floor for the first time in a playoff game. It's against the Golden State Warriors. First time, not just both of these teams have ever met in the playoffs. First time both these teams have been in the playoffs at the same time. Uh Start of a Northern California rivalry or, or, or some would like to think that it's not a rivalry, or whatever the case is, having that moment of the, the, the sold out Golden One Center crowd, the, uh, the the purple glow sticks and everything and everybody running out and taking the floor on that. Um, a moment that gave you chills, a moment that also, Frankie, you and I were lucky enough to, to be able to be there. And then the icing on the cake, too, that not only does Sacramento like finally get that moment in the playoffs, they're hosting game one and they defeat the defending champs in, in game one. Uh, I mean, it was a pretty it was a pretty unbelievable moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've gone to so many games over the years as media or fans or even before when you were at 1140, Matt, and you, you were doing some of the stuff that Brendan and I are doing. I mean, we, we've gone to a lot of games and I can't remember a time where there was a sellout crowd all in their seats, 20 minutes before the game even started. And that's exactly what happened that day. And um, it, it really is something that I, I don't know if we'll see it again. I mean, we, we actually will probably see it again at the Kingsweek playoffs this, this uh, spring, but that is that that's a moment that really I think might be number one for me as far mm-hmm. as my favorite moment of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, Just the fact that everyone was in their seats at the 20 minute mark before for the Kings were not on the floor. And uh it was the type of reaction from a crowd that we've heard for buzzer beaters or um, opposing players getting ejected or getting a technical foul or free cookies. You know, the two missed free throws. It was that kind of roar from the crowd just for the Kings running out of a tunnel to make their first playoff appearance since 2006. and. um, the fact that they won that game in exciting fashion obviously i think that that was the game um i think wiggins missed in the corner and curry missed the game the the go ahead three i think or tying game time three um special night just a very very special night and i think that's definitely number 1 just that that feeling of hearing that crowd go crazy when those players came out is it it Gave me chills. Chills thinking about it.
0: Our partners at eBay Motors have teamed up with Locked On Fantasy Basketball host Josh Lloyd to bring you some of the best fantasy picks each week all season long. Whether you're prepping for a daily draft or scouting the waiver wire every week, we're going to provide you with players that are guaranteed to fit on your roster. So let's see who Josh has picked out for us on this week's eBay Guaranteed Fit Fantasy Picks of the Week. Five names, Dante Exum, Jaden Ivey, Isaiah Hartenstein, Jalen Johnson, and Tarion Prince. Now, Josh has little lines that he's included for all five of these guys. We're going to pick one of them, read what he has to say and, and and talk about it a little bit more too. Let's talk about Dante Exum with the Dallas Mavericks. This is what Josh said. Jason Kidd said that when healthy the Mavs are still planning on starting Exum. His shooting will regress, but his role is enticing. Now, what Josh and yeah, eBay, Motors, and Fantasy owners should be looking for here are players that are going to slide under the radar a little bit, right? All the obvious names that are putting up big numbers and putting up big points, if you don't have them on your league, odds are you're, you're facing some of them or a lot of them this week. So those little under-the-radar picks can be the difference maker and and Dante Exum is one of those guys that could sneak in because of the minutes and opportunity that he's getting as a starter in Dallas he might score enough or hit enough shots or collect enough stats that could end up being that difference maker so take an eye uh, or keep an eye out for Dante Exum and maybe picking him up in the waiver wire or late in the in a draft in a a daily draft that could be the difference in you ultimately being victorious Josh Lloyd from locked on fantasy basketball is going to help you win your fantasy championship and eBay Motors knows a championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. It's the same thing with your vehicle. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. They have brake kits, LED headlights, roof racks, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or you get your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not burning cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. eBay Guaranteed Fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. And 2023 wasn't just the year of the Kings returning to the playoffs. 2023 was also the birth of the beam, a gimmick that maybe people didn't expect to catch on. And now it's truly the, I mean, it's, it's known around the NBA, whether you love it or hate it, everybody knows about it. Teams directly reference wanting to not light the beam or light their own beam when they play the Sacramento Kings, this little idea that the, uh, that the Sacramento Kings had turning just into this beacon of, of this franchise's return to relevancy. I mean, the beam took on a life of its own. And, and I think 2020, hopefully the beam's around for, for a lot longer than just these couple of years. But 2023, I think will kind of be the year that, that the beam firmly. I know it started in 2022. Uh, like the first time the beam was lit was late 2022. But 2023 was really when the beam was established as like, this is the Kings thing. Uh, and, and and I'm surprised like how it's, it's only been around for a short period of time, but how ingrained it is just in Sacramento culture now.
1: Yeah. I mean, it really is like an identity. It's, it's, uh, I, it's funny for Christmas, my family, a lot of Kings fans, in my family, and they're exchanging Kings gifts from each other. Like not even some that we, we got from the team store or whatever. Um, and there's like this shirt, it's like city of beams, like city of beams is like a thing people are doing now the ornaments we got a couple ornaments we have now which is cool to kind of commemorate that first season or first year with the beam and it definitely seems like it's not going to be going anywhere anytime soon like it's it's uh like one of the most most genius forms of marketing i guess too as far as you're out in sacramento on a a night going to dinner or going to a movie and you look up there's a beam in the sky you know sacramento kings won a game Mm -hmm. and i think it really is cool for for a fan base to rally around something like that i know that you have like not to really to the extent of the beam, but you have like the Lambo leap or um, like Yankee stadium has like the bleacher creatures. Um, th- there's, there's things like other fan bases have like that are kind of like their, their thing or some of their things that make their fan base, their fan base. And this is something that came from the team directly, which makes it a little more cooler. I think like the team had a great idea and I think they're definitely catching it on that literally because of all the beam merchandise and everything they have. But um, it just is very, very, a very, very cool thing to see. Like I, I in hockey, for example, like I, I watch the New York Rangers and they have like a, a star of the game. Their stars of the game come out on the ice after the game's over. I think it's so cool that Scott Moke Kings PA announcer, and, and the Kings they bring a player over who gets to light the beam in front of the, the whole crowd. Like that. I don't know. Most games in other NBA arenas, the game's over and you you go home. Uh, you get a little post game ceremony every win, and I think that's special because every win, I mean. I think Kings fans know that like every win over the past couple of years or by past couple, I mean, 16, 17 years has been like a, it's been precious. It's been a precious event to win basketball games. It's not very often the Kings win basketball games in recent memory. And uh, last year, I don't think it was known, or maybe it it definitely wasn't known what the Kings were going to be a 48 win Pacific division playoff hosting team. I'm not sure how much they expected to use the beam, but man, they, they definitely are using it a a bit more than they, they intended to. And that's a, that's a great thing.
0: All right, Frankie, this is where we get a little more into the kind of more obscure moments and memories and and things less obvious that we loved and enjoyed from the year. Uh, Anything come to mind for you just of moments that just you'll remember 2023 for that just sat with you this year?
1: Yeah, I think uh, Brennan, Chris, Brennan Nunez, Chris Watkins and I uh, were talking about some of our favorite moments the other day and that game in against the Clippers in L.A. was Mm -hmm. which was, it was February. It was late February. And I, I still don't know if we'll ever see a game quite like that. Yeah. I mean, first of all, the scoring was insane, but the timely shot making, which was completely really one-sided by the Kings, they kept finding themselves down on these 5.6 point. point, I think they're down by 14 with three or four minutes left in the game. Um, they're finding themselves in these holes and they just kept finding a way to get back in the game. And it was all Malik Monk and deer and Fox and, Mm -hmm. uh, 45 points from Malik Monk, 40 from Fox. I think Sabonis had a a, a massive double-double that night. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had 40-plus. It just was an insane game. And the but the, the Malik Monk shot, the, I don't want to call it a prayer, but just a really tough shot yeah. to end regulation. I don't think we're going to see something like that. Second-highest scoring game in NBA history. And uh, that's when I do often go back and watch the highlights on because watching that in real time was just – Insane. Just, I, I cannot believe that happens to this day.
0: Yeah. That was a game where the Clippers shot the absolute, you know what, out of the ball. Like they could not miss everybody. Nicholas Batum, everybody was just shooting the crap out of the ball. It's just one of those nights where it's like, well, what can you do? This team is just red hot. And the Kings came back from close to insurmountable odds, three different times in that game to ultimately win it. They, they came back at the end of regulation to force overtime, went down big early in overtime as well, and, and, and came back to force a second overtime or down in the second overtime ended up winning that game. So just, you're absolutely right. Like uh, one of the, not just craziest games and craziest moments of the year. I would argue like if it's not the best regular season NBA game of all time, it's Definitely in the conversation, definitely in top three. And I don't know if they have such a thing in the the Basketball Hall of Fame or anything like that. But that was a basketball game for the ages that regardless of who you were rooting for, I imagine Clipper fans were leaving Staples or Crypto or whatever the hell they call it now. <laughs> uh, they were leaving that arena disappointed that the the Clippers lost, but also probably walking to their cars or getting back to their houses going man like that we might not see anything ever like that again and I think like I would have felt that way from a Kings perspective too we don't have to worry about that because the Kings won the game but if the Kings ended up losing in double overtime but we still had that kind of game that's one of those that you just tip your hat and appreciate greatness at the NBA level
1: yeah that was one of the biggest things too is is you know I, I write a recap after every game and I've had a good amount done already like I had a good amount of them losing because they were down by double digits with a few minutes left so I was yep. kind of just all right, like any other writer will be doing the same thing. Like we're, we got to get at least the lead in, which is, you know, the Kings battled or they, whatever they lost. But um, I had to rewrite it going into the first overtime. And that was the biggest thing. It's just, just win the game. So I can just, if I'm, if I'm going to start doing this, in like the tone that they won, just, let's, let's just win the game. Right. And it would have stung really to have them watch a 170 plus point affair and the Kings lose. Like that's brutal. And the fact they did it on the road too, because, the Kings, again, last year were a great road team. That's what made them also a, a really good team was they were a great road team. Uh, I think they tied their franchise record in road wins. Um, that makes it even, even more special. I think at home, that would have been an incredible atmosphere and mm-hmm. unforgettable for sure. for sure. But just speaking to how good that team was, that they were able to go into Los Angeles, play a good, fully healthy Clippers team, which was rare la- last year. This year, I know they've been playing. Um, Paul George and quite been playing a lot. But last year, they go in and beat a... Rarely fully healthy Clippers team after being down by multiple deficits and multiple late game situations on the road just makes that a little more special to me.
0: I'm going to cheat a little bit here because this technically happened on December 30th, but damn it, it's close enough and it's mainly the 2023 season. Kevin Herter's essentially game winner. Against I was, the Utah Jazz. I was
1: wondering about this if this could make if this was eligible because I was going to say this too.
0: Well, and and like we have to talk about eligibility too because I was almost going to make like a De'Aaron Fox game winner category like the one in, in Chicago, but arguably his best one was the one in Orlando and that happened early, early yeah, in this season. November. So I think that's 2022 time. And this one technically happened in 2022, although we're talking about the final, final days of 2022. It's like
1: the day before New Year's Eve. I think yeah. we, can, we can sneak it in, but the
0: pop. Of that crowd when Herder hit that shot and this was early season Herder where he was smoking hot to, to start the year like. That moment, I mean, you go back and watch that on TV. It's almost it's one of those moments where like experiencing it live is a whole different animal and, and Frankie and I are blessed enough to be able to experience a lot of Kings moments live and go to every single home game, but even watching that moment on TV and to listen to it back on TV and to hear microphones literally break because of how loud it got. Like that is a unbelievable pop when Kevin hit that shot and a moment that regardless of his struggles now and what happens for Kevin and the King's future, like that's a, that's a moment that will live in forever for me with Kevin Herter hitting that three against Utah.
1: Yeah. It definitely is a moment that first of all, that that that, that whole entire sequence is so, I guess like not chaotic, chaotic but it's yeah. a little chaotic. It was. I mean, Fox misses two shots in the lane and, and Keegan. They do the same exact play twice. Like they get the offensive board, they swing it out to Barnes, to Keegan, who throws it back to Fox. Well, in this second one, they get it back to back to Keegan, who swings it to Her of his time. Knocks down a good look. Um, that game is special for a lot of reasons. Well, for me personally, my brother, he's in the Air Force, he's home right now visiting for the holidays, but he came to his first Kings game last year at Golden One Center, and that was his first game and he, that's, he's so i'm gonna hop in
0: that's crazy too because that was my mother-in-law's first ever king's game
1: that is honestly it's it's honestly like what i was thinking was like i hope the game is close i this was the most perfect scenario mm-hmm. and for this my brother he he never was a huge sports fan growing up he he liked the kings like kind of quietly like our whole family did but um he went to his game and it just completely was the beginning of his die-hard fandom like he's he's mm-hmm. He, that game sent him over the edge. I went and saw him after with my, him and my family after, and he was just, oh my God, like, just oh, so, he was just so excited. Never seen it from him before. And uh fast forward to today, he, for Christmas, he's got, he got three different King, like he got a Keegan a Murray jersey, a De'Aaron Fox jersey, a DeMontis Sabonis, like the blue um jersey jersey. Like he's a huge fan. He's got league pass out there in Oklahoma. Amazing. Um, it really did start like a, it just, it can do that. Those kinds of moments from, a team or from a fan base, like, or the reaction from the crowd. Cause you feel things. You you do feel things like watching from home. Definitely will make you feel things too. But I think the one thing I, I used to like wonder is i you know, going to games is fun, but whatever, be like, be okay with watching from home. And it is fine watching from home, but just being in the arena and feeling that, like you feel that, like you feel that pop. Like when the crowd goes nuts, you feel the energy in the building when things are kind of starting to swing the momentum. Um, it really is a thing where you can feel that. And I definitely think that we all, everyone in attendance that night just felt that that energy and definitely heard that pop because it was loud on TV and it definitely was loud in person as well because you could not hear yourself think for a few seconds. I think that was
0: a moment for me too, where the last doubts of the golden one center were finally put to rest because Arco and Arco thunder and and how loud that building got and the golden one center opens up and it's this gorgeous state of the art stadium, but it's a little more open. It's just less intimate, less on top of you. And, Can we have that same volume? Can we have that same level? And I think that moment right there answered the question of, oh yeah, like Arco Thunder is still very much alive and well. It's just now here in in, in the Golden One Center. So that was a moment that kind of cemented that for me too. Frankie, I'm curious about this one because it was an unbelievable experience for us to go to Salt Lake City, Utah to cover All-Star Weekend ultimately all-star weekend kind of ended up being a dud for the kings like kevin Herter's terrible performance in the three-point shootout keegan murray like keegan murray had the best night out of everybody with the rising stars challenge dearon fox didn't even score he's the only player not to score in the all-star game but also afterwards like they didn't care because they were ready to get back to work and 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 push for for the playoffs but being there for all-star weekend experiencing in person i'll be honest with you for most of the time i was bored out of my mind and it was interesting to see Okay, this is what a crowd, an all-star crowd, looks like because nobody cared. But to experience that in person, like it was, it was cool for us. So it, it's it's yeah. high up there for me for the year. But it's a time that I could forget about.
1: <laughs> no, I, I've had to like think about the way. I, I don't want to like seem ungrateful, but I also sure at, at the same time, like I, when I was talking to like my our management and they're talking about like the all-star game, I was like, yeah, we we don't need to go back. I think yeah. I think we saw it like it. it it was very cool, I think, to see the Kings get recognition and having two All-Stars for the first time since, I believe, 04, when Brad Miller and Peja were All-Stars. I mean, De'Aaron Fox and Damana Sabonis are the franchise, so it mm-hmm. was very cool to see them get that recognition to go to Salt Lake City, to see their their faces like on the banners that are around the stadium and, and the marking that, that the NBA was doing for the All-Star game. But really cool. Um, seeing Keegan Murray play in the Rising Stars game, great for the organization. Kevin Herter in the three-point contest, it was cool that he was in it. Did very, very poorly. Uh, and then the all-star game itself, I don't really enjoy watching the all-star game from home and watching it in person. I'm telling you was very underwhelming. Uh, so I would not do that unless they change the format or maybe make an incentive to play more. Like, I don't know. I'm not sure if they were to make a cash prize that they're going to play if players would play harder, but it is kind of like a pro bowl-esque vibe now, Mm -hmm. like where they're kind of just trying, you know, kind of like the flag football version of basketball. They're just doing layup lines and some dunks here and there. But was cool to be there. I think like just the overall being a part of that atmosphere and, and mingling with other um, media members and and meeting new people and being able to be there with you guys all together. We had a great, I know that we had a good time. Individual like me, you, Kevin, John, and uh, Chris Watkins had a good time. So that was fun for me. Doesn't really rank the top of my list of favorite moments of the year, but because again, I think the Kings should. I think Kings fans should get used to that. Like I think De'Aaron Fox should be a perennial All Star at this point. And we should get more used to seeing it, but. It just so happens that was the first time that we, that the Kings have had All Star since Demarcus Cousins. So, mm-hmm. um, cool moment, but not not one of my favorite. I'm right there with you,
0: honestly. If you think we're being ungrateful, if you ever get the opportunity, go and experience an All Star game because I think it's someone something that everybody should experience once. But if you go and experience it, you'll probably feel like yeah, like I uh, don't need to, I don't need to go back.
1: It's boring. I'll- it's
0: Although I would say if the NBA announced tomorrow that Malik Monk was going to be participating in the dunk contest, I might have to fi- make my way to Indiana. Because
1: I'd Malik, be very, yeah. Malik
0: can throw down.
1: Yeah. And if, if it was like De'Aaron starting the All Star game, and Tyrese Halliburton starting the All Star game, and if Sasha, who again, I know he hasn't been, you know, he's shooting 37 from three 30 this year, but watching him in pregame warmups, I feel like he would absolutely light up mm-hmm. a 30 point shootout with this quick release. If, if they somehow had Malik and Sasha and De'Aaron going to Indiana, I'd be like, well, maybe okay. we'll maybe we'll see but that's purely for like store from a story standpoint sure. from fox and Halliburton starting the all-star game which i don't think it's likely mm-hmm. um i think that fox will probably be a reserve, just the way mm-hmm. the nba does things um even though he definitely deserves to start in my opinion but yeah all-star game is kind of like not on my like a list of priorities right now i'd rather go to you know I'd rather go to a playoff series. That's you know. I think we all were getting ready to travel to Los Angeles we at were. the time. We were uh, in Game Seven. We were all talking about okay. Well, what are the good hotels? And uh, I would rather travel to multiple playoff series this year than go to an All Star game. This episode of the
0: Locked On Kings podcast is brought to you by Game Time. Hey, for twenty twenty four, make sure Game Time is your number one app for all the events that you're going to be going to. Whether it's more Kings games sporting events, period, concerts, uh, local theatrical productions, comedy shows, whatever it may be, Game Time has the tickets for your event, and they're going to have the best deals and the best prices, especially if you, like me, sometimes struggle with planning and and make decisions to go to events and go to things last minute. Game Time not only makes buying last minute tickets easy, they make it affordable. Like, you're going to get your best deals at the last minute on Game Time with their last minute flash deals that they have. Plus, uh, if you're unsure about going to a new venue going and watching something at a, at, a, at a stadium or or concert hall or whatever it may be that you've never been to before. they have the most accurate in your seat images that'll show you exactly what your view is going to be like for whatever type of event you are going to. They have zone deals and flash deals that are gonna save you a boatload of money. I used uh, game time to save me a ton of money going and watching a San Francisco Giants game uh, this past year. Take the guesswork. Out of buying tickets with Game Time. If you download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LockedOnNBA, you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So, any any other quick kind of small moments that that that, that you can kind of fire off rapid fire about twenty twenty three? I have one that comes to mind, but I'm curious if you have the same one.
1: You go first. Yeah.
0: I'm- game 6 to me was a really really big moment for the Kings I thought winning in Chase Center where the Golden State Warriors had been really 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 good but the Kings backs against the wall right they they go up 2-0 and now fall down 3-2 and to go there and to win. I know it didn't end up the way we wanted and game 7 didn't go the way we wanted although put your Kings fandom aside. We got to see an all time amazing performance from Steph Curry. And he, I mean, he just willed the Warriors to win that series. And we knew they weren't getting past the Lakers at that point, but like he was, he was unbelievable. Uh, in in game seven, but for the Kings to go into chase center in game six and not just beat the golden state Warriors, but like they didn't really have, and it wasn't a blowout, but the warriors would never really look like they had a chance. They never looked comfortable. And the Kings were in control of that game. Start to finish to, to give themselves a chance in their own building. I thought that was a very mature Signed from a new playoff team where we would talked so much about experience this and experience that and how the experience advantage was going to make a difference for a team to not just roll over and die but to have home court advantage taken back from them and to go to hostile territory and take it back themselves i thought that was a pretty awesome moment for this king's team even if they ultimately didn't get the job done
1: yeah, I think you were very mad at me that day or a couple people. I was very down, not down, but I was very just like, this the series is over.
0: Like, yeah, series, a is lot is of done. people tell it that way. There's no problem with it. A lot and of think
1: people I, did. Yeah, I would think I was already like joking, like, you know, and this maybe me trying to like reverse jinx some sure. things. But I'm like, yeah, I'm already writing the article, like before the game that they're going to lose. Um, Just, just because of how good the Warriors have been at home historically in, in the postseason and the fact that the Kings had not won a game at Chase Center, I think, since the the year it opened, which was in 20. 20. Um, I think they had lost seven or eight in a row at Chase Center, so I thought, you know, no chance. They're going to let, that Golden State's going to let up right now and go back to Sacramento, but uh, again, another game where Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox with a a broken fingertip. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terrence Davis had a big game that day as well. Um, Keegan Murray was was finishing the series strong. They really stepped up all, all across the board, and that is a good sign for this Kings team because, again, we've seen it before, and right now obviously on the heels of a loss to to Portland in present day um we get to see the kings tomorrow night in in Atlanta avoided three game losing streak the kings have done a very good job of limiting these ongoing losing streaks and even in the playoffs they had lost um three in a row mm-hmm. but they stopped the bleeding and they made it a series they they injected more life into this team and fan base and um you know game seven was possible but I think it is something that speaks to the king's resiliency and the fact that they are able to answer adversity uh they did it last year on the biggest stage in the NBA playoffs and they've continued to do it in the early stage of the stages of the season. And now we get to see if they can do it again. But game six is definitely one that felt surreal. A lot of things felt surreal about 2023, but the fact is the fact the Kings went into Golden State, a place that has been a house of horrors for other NBA franchises for the best the past decade now. Mm-hmm. Uh and they really, like you said, they didn't beat the brakes off of them, but it was a game that was never really close. The Kings had them at arm's reach. I think it was like in the 10 to 15-point range most of the night. There was incomplete control, and they did dominate that game in a different sense, but uh, that was on my my list of things. Um, other like A quick thing, I guess, would be, I know we said it kind of got lost in the shuffle, but Keegan Murray knocking down that record-breaking three, yeah. I, I know in today's NBA or today's game, that might not stand for – For a very long time, you might have your next great shooter that, you know, will will start or play big minutes coming in the league. But I don't know. I think it might stand for a little bit. That's Mm -hmm. the fact that Keegan Murray was – and he's a different player this year, obviously. He's he's more of a – you know, he's taking the ball for himself. He's trying to create off the dribble. But last year, he was really a spot-up shooter and a guy that would curl off of dribble handoffs. And uh, I think that that was something that really spoke to how successful of a rookie season that was for Keegan Murray. I mean, a record-breaking all-rookie first team. 41% 41% from three on a lot of a lot of volume. Um, uh, it was, was was well deserved for a draft pick that thing has been a great, a great thing for the Sacramento Kings franchise. That like Keegan Murray has panned out so far and continues this year to take strides. Obviously, he's been playing the best basketball of his career over the last nine, 10 games. And um having that rookie record just kind of like to hang your hat on is was really cool to me.
0: Some validation for Monty McNair with the selection of Keegan at number four. Some personal validation as well with Keegan Murray and, and, and for those of us here in Sacramento who are high on him and had such a belief in him. Like it's it's just gone so much better than I think everybody, even those of us who are high on him, uh, could have hoped. And now he's trying to take that next step. Well, that leads us to 2024, Frankie. 2023 and, and the end of 2022, last season was like the ride of, hey, enjoy being here. This season it's about staying here and and improving upon it. This is a uh, it's like a, a new territory for us, right? Getting from good to great. What do the Sacramento Kings do now that they've broken the the playoff drought? What is like what do they do to, to take that next step? So they're in the midst of that right now. So I don't think any of us is necessarily going to say that, that we're talking championships in 2024, although that is the goal for the Sacramento Kings ultimately, but expectations for 2024 for you really quick. If anything comes to mind of like, I'm expecting for the Sacramento Kings when the year is said and done, this is what we're going to be talking about.
1: Well, I mean, expecting and hoping, I guess, you know, especially for us, sometimes we do try to be, um, you know, we understand. I know we both grew up as fans, and sometimes it's viewed differently, and I try to be as, you know, uh, neutral as I can. And I do think for this team, though, I have very high expectations for them and very mm-hmm. high um, hopes, I guess, at the same time. I think that they really should be a team that is in the top five, top six of his conference in the West. I think that they should be a team that can take that step forward defensively. They were doing it a couple weeks ago, and now over the last you know couple of games, they've really – had a backslide in in defensive uh, rating and we obviously saw them allow 130 plus points to the the Wizards, 130 plus points to the the Blazers and that just can't cut it for a team that's supposed to be contending in in today's Western Conference and today's NBA. And really this is kind of a, I don't want to get like dramatic, but this last half of the season here, we're not even at the halfway point, but I mean just more of the 2024 half, it's kind of a last stand for this group. Um, I think if they get to a point where they don't win a playoff series or they don't even make the playoffs, uh, we can see this original Beam team group broken up. Like we've all seen, we've all seen this, these trade scenarios, and, and it's true because if they're going to make a big trade, Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter, their contracts are the most likely to make those deals work. They're going to be moved, mm-hmm. and which is unfortunate, I think, for a lot of Kings fans and in this fan base. Obviously, they they care about this this group and this core, and they want it to work well if we get to February and the Kings are hovering around 500 or um, you know, outside of the top five, top six of the, of the conference, I think there's a possibility that we could see some people moved. And I think Monty McNair is going to be very selective and he's going to wait until the right time comes. I don't think he's going to uh, hit the panic button. There's no reason to panic. Everyone on this roster is under contract for a couple of years, except for Malik Monk, who that will be the one person that will have to be addressed this off season. Mm-hmm. That's going to be a big one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that if they get, the Kings get to a point where, and Monty McNary gets to a point where he thinks that, okay, maybe it's time we shake things up and there's a trade out there that he thinks can work and make the team better, I think it'd be on the Kings and guys in that locker room to make that a hard decision for him and mm-hmm. and and play a better brand of basketball, more more so on the defensive end. I know the offense hasn't been to the, the, the record-breaking status they were last year, but I think that you don't really need that. You need the defense to be better. We've seen that in in Portland as well. The offense struggled, sure, but it's very hard to win basketball games when you allow opponents to score 130 points on 50-40 shooting. It's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. So um, I'm looking to see how they answer that challenge and and how hard we, this team plays together because I do think they're a very tight knit locker room and I think chemistry is important. But uh, I think having the correct personnel is even more so important. And I think chemistry can always be mended. So if they're not in a position to to be as good or better than last year, we'll see changes in 2024.
0: Yeah. I think the word for 2024 for me is contention. Like if, if you're not the contender that you want to be this year, which I think more signs point to that than the other way, we're not writing off the rest of the season or the playoffs by any means. We've seen this team can get hot and when they're hot, they're very difficult for anybody to beat. And I do think this team making it out of the first round should be an expectation to some extent, but Whether it's at this trade deadline or this upcoming off season, like I do expect some shakeups to be made. I do expect some polishing around the edges or one big addition to to ultimately put this team over the edge. Like I think Monty recognizes that even though there's not as much pressure on the Sacramento Kings as there is maybe like a Phoenix Suns or Golden State Warriors or other team to figure it out quickly as the window might be closing. Monty knows that the window doesn't just stay open for you. So you have to make sure that when it does open up, you kind of climb through it. So I think 2024 is, if it's not the Kings contending for a championship this year, which I think is, again, probably likely, it's going into the 2024-2025 season. Did the Kings have a roster where you're looking at it and going, okay, yes, I think this team legitimately has a chance. They still have to prove it, but they legitimately have a chance to, we're talking like a championship caliber roster that's not a, Like, if the Kings win a championship this year, everybody's calling it, like, a miracle story, (laughs) an amazing run. Like, can the Kings put together a roster and put together the context of next year? Superstar De'Aaron Fox plus DeMondis Savonis, Keegan Murray is a big three, and you add a fourth guy on top of that with Malik Monk coming back. Whatever it looks like, like, do the Kings go into the 2024-2025 season? Do the Kings end 2024 being talked about as man, just let this team get to the playoffs and they can really make a run. That's where I think it, it, it kind of falls for me. So.
1: Yeah. And I think that if, if the Kings were to win a championship this year and people, that's fine. I mean, if, if, if yeah, you are, it. you're a pro Yeah, and this seems a product of everything else that happens around them. Like if they can't help who they play or who they face and rounds. And if they, if it was were to be the NBA finals. So, um, crazier things have happened. I think the crazier things have happened. um, I don't think anybody expected the Miami heat to make a finals run in 2020 and they the Los Angeles Lakers. I mean, True. these things, the Denver nuggets have their rise to being an NBA championship winning team. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to say the Kings are on the same trajectory, but I think people have kind of equated that to, to the nuggets. That the Kings are missing their Aaron Gordon. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's one thing people say a lot. So um, I don't think it's that far fetched of an idea that the Kings are, are on the doorstep of being at finals contender. I don't think they're there. I don't think this team right now as they're built, or as they're playing, is c- capable of winning an NBA championship, but I feel like they have the infrastructure, they have the core. Um, and yeah, like you said about windows, De'Aaron Fox has turned 26, a Sabonis is 27, um, Keegan Murray's twenty-three. They have a, a little window, like there is a window. I think it's to me, I've been saying it to on other things I've gone on, other shows and other podcasts. I see it as a three, a three year window. Mm-hmm. Um, you have De'Aaron Fox, who has three years on his contract, including this year, he's two more after this year. Mike Brown has three more years. Um, you have guys like Kevin Herter, Sasha Vazenkov, uh, Harrison Barnes. Like they are all on similar contract timelines. And while I think it's very, very, very likely De'Aaron Fox will ink a long-term extension and hopefully end his year in a King's uniform. Um, I think you want to maximize this window before you get into your, you know, get these players into the into their 30s. Like you want to have your your all-star core be contending for championships before they turn 30. That's what a lot of these other teams are doing. And I think it's very, very possible the Kings can do that. Now, can they do it with this exact roster and group remains to be seen. I think right now they, they definitely need some help. They need to take a step forward defensively for sure. But the, you have your guys, you have De'Aaron Fox, you have De'Amane Sabonis, Keegan Murray's taking his steps. And if Malik Monk wants to ink another deal and stay here, which I think he he could as well, um, they're set up for the long haul. They just need more defensive impact. And that's possible if you want is the GM.
0: Well, the Kings still have a couple of games left before 2023 officially comes to an end. Hopefully, they can clean up some of these mistakes and end this great year on a positive note. Frankie, to you personally, thank you for all the help that you provided here at Locked On Kings all the time that you've been on this podcast this year. You're a frequent guest, and hopefully, you'll you'll be back with me for more in 2024. But I appreciate you, my friend. It's been a fun year. Uh, let's uh, let's keep the ball rolling here in in uh, 2024.
1: Absolutely, man. Matt, thanks for having me. Happy New Year to you, my friend, and your family. Happy New Year to everyone listening. And uh, yeah, let's see what the Kings can do in 2024.